I am um, so excited to be here again, preaching again. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Devin Mitchum. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I always love getting this opportunity. So uh, first and foremost, I do want to take a moment and honor Pastor of the House, my father. Thank you for allowing me to be here and allowing me to, uh, to preach. Um, the word that I'm going to bring to you today uh, is, is not an easy, an easy one. Uh, I've wrestled all week with whether or not I was going to actually preach this or not. And, well, the Lord gets to decide that, I guess, and not me. So we're just going to go for it. So um, I'm going to preach a message today called The Death of Preference. The Death of Preference. I'm going to read starting out of uh, Romans chapter 7. Go to Romans chapter 7. We're going to read, uh, starting in verse 21. It says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I do, or that when I want to do is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I know we've prayed a lot today, but this is church. So I'm just gonna pray one more time just over this message, if you wouldn't, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Lord, I just, I pray that over the next few moments, God, I pray that you would open every mind, that you would soften every heart. God, I pray that you would give me the ability to deliver this message the way that you want it to be given. In Jesus' name, amen. So death of preference. Preference in itself it's not a bad thing, right? Like we all have preferences. Um, everyone has a different preference. Uh, some people prefer Ford versus Chevy. And if you knew me until about six months ago, I very much preferred Ford over Chevy. And then my Ford is the epitome of found on road dead. <laughs> you guys are laughing like, I'm, like it's, it's not even funny. Um, in the last six months, I've replaced my turbos, my transmission, my engine, my power running boards, my coolant system, and uh, pretty sure that uh, my four-wheel drive just went out too. So, yeah, thank you for warranties. Hallelujah. All right, so I don't, pre- I don't prefer Ford over Chevy anymore. I don't know what I prefer anymore. I'm going to start riding a bike everywhere, I guess. It's cheaper. But we all have preferences, right? Like some people prefer the NLT, the New Living Translation, to the ESV. Or you prefer when Pastor Jason preaches over Pastor Devin. There you go. Thank you for being quiet, most of you. (laughs) We prefer Nike over Adidas. And when I was growing up, it was very much Hollister over American Eagle or Abercrombie & Fitch. Is that still a thing? Right? Double pop collar shirts. We had our preferences, things that we prefer. And preferences are not bad when it comes to cars and fashion. Preachers, I guess. (laughs) Preference is not a bad thing in itself. We all do have preferences. But where preferences become an issue is when I begin to allow preference into the driving seat of my life and I live my life based on what I prefer. And I live my life based on what feels good in the, in the moment, right? I live my life based on the, the, the decisions that make the most sense to me where I am right now. Preference can lead us down a bunch of dark roads. And ultimately, preference 
completely steers us away from what God wants from us. How often do we make decisions based on preference when they are completely in the face of what God wants? And and some of you are like, well, I don't even know what God wants from me. Well, here's a really clear cut way to know what God wants. What does scripture say? You don't have to hear an audible voice. You don't have to have smoke signals and writing on the wall. It's pretty simple. Open up the Bible. If you want to know what God wants from you in your life, it's in here. So preference, when we live our life based on preference, we will continually do the thing that God does not want us to do. And we'll find nowhere in scripture where God's like, yeah, you know, here's actually my plan for your life, but really just do what you prefer. Right? Like, I don't know of anywhere in scripture that that, that's there. If it is, please show it to me. I would love to know that's there. I would live my life much differently. So when it comes to preference, why do we continually choose? Like, like we come into church and we say things like, you are worthy of it all, right? And we, we, we sing songs like, all hail King Jesus. But our lives are lived completely different. There's this guy in the Bible I like to preach about him. His name is Jonah. And uh, a lot of you probably know the story of Jonah, but if you don't, I'm gonna just kind of spell it out. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And one day God tells Jonah, hey, you're gonna go to Nineveh. And uh, you're you're gonna go give them this message that because of their weakness and their sin, I'm gonna destroy them. And Jonah's like, nah, like that's not happening. They're gonna kill me, I'm out. So Jonah gets on a boat and heads the other way. Well, while he's on this ship heading the other way, God sends this great storm and it's about to kill him. They're all freaking out. And Jonah's finally like, okay, fine, it's me. I'm the reason that God's doing this to us. So they threw the man overboard and he gets eaten by a big fish. And Jonah spends three days in the belly of a whale. And then he's praying like, God, if you just give me another chance, I'll, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So God's like, all right, one more chance, spits him up. And now Jonah heads to Nineveh. And Jonah gets to Nineveh and, and he, he does his whole thing. And Nineveh's this great, massive city and there's all these people in it. And, and Jonah goes around being like, hey, you're all gonna die. <laughs> you're all gonna die, every one of you, because of your sin. So now he does this whole thing and he goes outside the city and God ends up, the city ends up turning from their ways They end up going into this fast. They end up completely turning from their sin. And because that they turn from their sin, the Bible says that God chose to spare them. So now we have Jonah, who's really gone through this really traumatic experience here. He he, he ran from God and got eaten by a fish. God put, you know, spit him up, saved him. He did this whole thing. I mean, could you imagine how scary that would be for a moment? Walking around in a city that it would kill you for being who you are. Just being like, hey, because of you, you're going to, you know, you're you're going to die soon. It's coming. So all these things happen. And then at the very end, after all that's done, God is like, actually, never mind, because they changed their ways. And Jonah responds in, in uh, Jonah chapter four, verse one through three, he says, this, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained about, about it to the Lord. Didn't I say before I left that you, would, that you wouldn't do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And then right here in uh, verse three, he says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted 
will not happen. I would rather be dead than alive than what I, the, what I predict is not gonna come to pass. Are you kidding me? How bold do you have to be to look at God and be like, I would rather you kill me, God, than for what you want to happen, happen. Think about that. How bold do we have to be for that, for that statement? He's literally saying, I would rather not even be alive than to deal with this. And while that seems like a really bold thing to say, isn't that what we do? It seems like a really bold thing to say, right? Like, wow, that's really bold of Jonah to get up and be like, God, you know, kill me if, 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 if what I said is not gonna happen. But honestly, we do the very same thing. We literally have a roadmap for our life. We have the words of the living God in book form and we never touch it. God will tell us what to do all the time and we completely turn from him because it's uncomfortable. We walk away from him because we don't like the way that's happening. We choose to live our lives completely separate from God because living for God is a little bit uncomfortable. It's just a little bit easier to live my life the way that I wanna live my life. It's not that much different than, than, than Jonah telling God, well, God, then if, if what I said is not gonna happen, then just kill me because we just go, well, then God, if you're not gonna do it my way, then I don't want any part of it. Except for Sunday mornings, those are easy. God, if you're not gonna do it in a way that makes me happy, if you're not gonna bring me my breakthrough in a way that's easy for me, God, if you're not gonna give me the, the, the calling or the job that is, that is easy or the one that I want, then I'm just, I'm just not gonna do it, God. We tell God what we prefer and we do what we prefer over what he says. We let preference in the driving seat we let preference steal our lives. And here's what preference does. Preference is the, is the kind of thing that says, well, I just really, you know, it's just been, it's been a long week and I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna serve today. Preference is the thing that says, I had a really bad morning so I'm just gonna stay really mad all day long and completely miss every opportunity at work I have to share Jesus with someone. Because it's much easier to sit in my anger than it is to get over myself and live my life the way that he wants me to live it. What, hap what would happen to the church, not even Revivify, what would happen to just Christians, period, if we actually begin to live out the things that we say? Like if we actually begin to, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Lord being the master, the, the controller, the, the king, the thing that, that steers my life. If we really truly believed that he was the Lord of our lives, then we would spend every second doing the thing that he wants us to do and living the way that he wants us to live. The question, it becomes, no matter, it's not more, God, what, what do I wanna do? 
the prayer in the morning is, God, what do you want me to do today? God, what do you want me to say in this situation? Because here's what happened. I've been a pastor for not a long time compared to, to some of the pastors in this room, uh, about six and a half years. And the thing that we get all the time, our calls going, well, pastor, I just don't know what to do. Well, pastor, I just, and I get it. That's, it's our job. And I love being a pastor and, and helping people navigate. But here's the truth is that every time you come to a pastor and you ask a pastor what to do, we're gonna go, well, let's look what it says right here. Our job is just to point you back here. So how, why is the church not going here before the pastor? Well, because it's easier. It's easier to just to, to pick up that, that phone and make that call. And Oh, I would just prefer if somebody would, would, would do this for me and show this. You, you might be in the mess you're in because God's trying to get your attention. And he's saying, hey, look at it for yourself. He's talking to you all the time in these pages right here. He is speaking. Are we actually listening? What would happen to the church if if our prayer became, God, I want whatever brings you the most glory, however it brings you the most glory. God, I want whatever brings you the most glory, however it brings you the most glory. It's not about what I want. It's not about my preference. It's not about our wants, it's about his glory. It's not about what we prefer, it's about his glory. Our lives are to be laid down for his glory and his glory alone. And yet our preference gets in the way. God, I would rather... I would prefer just to do this. And again, I don't think it's anything that we actually say. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say, well, I just don't prefer to do it that way when it comes to what God wants, but we totally live our lives like we, like we say that all the time. I do. I prefer not to preach this today. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, until yesterday morning, I wasn't even totally sure I was gonna preach this today. See, we don't go to God to align our will with his. Our will shouldn't even exist. You ever ever heard those prayers in church? You've been around a while, you know, the whole, God, just align my will to yours, Father. What? Please show me scripture where it says that our will even matters. I don't know where it's at. I would love to read it. Our will doesn't. It's not about aligning our will to his. What we do go to him to do is align our heart to his. Yeah, God, align my heart with yours because my heart can get weary. My heart can can change. No, no, God, align my heart to your heart, but my will shouldn't even be in in the picture. It shouldn't even be in the equation because it really does not matter what I want. I wish it did, but it doesn't. 
The thing that God wants from you is often the very thing you don't want to do. You can ask pastor, you know what the last thing he wanted to do in his whole life was? Start a church. How's that, how's that been for you? <laughs> See, the will of God is often nowhere near my will. The will of God doesn't even come close to the thing that I want to happen. If God's will cost me my life, would I follow? If God's will would cost you your life, would you actually follow? Let's make it a little more simple because that one's kind of hard to put into to, 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 uh, the picture. If God's will for your life cost you friends, would you follow? If God's will for your life, well, cost you family, would you follow? Because it will. It will be impossible to follow the will of God for your life and not make waves. Everyone likes you just as you are. The moment that you begin stepping in to what God wants from you, everyone around you is gonna begin to shake and wonder what's wrong with you. They're gonna start talking doing all of this. And in you, and the last one you expect to happen is your family, right? Wrong. <laughs> Trust me, wrong. It happens. Because you're no longer the person that, that they thought you were. You're no longer the person that, that, that would just go and have fun and party a little bit on the weekends, right? If you step in to what God wants from your life, it should cost you something. About this, if God's will cost me my job, would I follow? And then just a pretty basic question and that I think we have to actually be honest and answer is if God's will for my life cost me anything, would, it, would I follow? And again, I think that every person in this room would be yes, right? We want to say yes. We should want to say yes. But it's different for each one of us. Ryan, following God cost you something, Bo. David, following God cost you something, man. Jesse, following God cost you something. But the things that it cost you were different than what it cost me. And the point of what this is supposed to be, this church, is that, hey, I know that when I step into what God wants for me and things begin to fall away from my life, that I can pick up the phone and go, man, Ryan, this has been a tough week, dude. I just want you to know I'm still following Jesus, but man, it's been a hard week. But that's what the community is supposed to be. That's when we get up here, when Kayla gets up, I love when she says, hey, family. What is that supposed to like look like? And I know that if, I, if following God costs me everything, then everything I need can be found right here in the house. And this, was, this is not something new. This is not something that just popped up and was new. We all have faced this battle every single day of following the preference of our sinful nature versus the will of God. 
This has been something that has been going on as long as Christianity was a thing. Paul writes very extensively about this in the book of Romans. And I'm, in a second, I'm gonna read a ton of scripture and then we're gonna be done. So if you go ahead and come back up. If you've heard a few of my sermons, you know the last probably five or six, I read a lot of scripture. And um, I kind of want to explain why. Media team hates me. Um, they have to type all these in and I used to feel bad about it. Uh, last year sometime I was getting ready to preach and I had a ton of verses and I actually went in to, to take scripture out and the Lord slapped me silly. And he said, I have more to say than you do. And uh, he said, and my words are more important than yours. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it out of Romans chapter seven and I don't want you to grab your, if you wanna grab your Bibles, that's fine. But what I really want to happen in this moment is I'm gonna read the very word of God. And I want, I want it to just, just fall over you. If you have not listened to any of the word of what has been said up here today, I'm asking you to give me five minutes and tune in to this moment right here. I believe that there's more power in these words than any word that I, I can say or Pastor Jason can say. This is the ultimate authority that we live our lives on right here. I'm gonna go to Romans seven. We're gonna start in verse 14. It says, so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me for I am all too human, a slave to sin, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. 
He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. <laughs> Remember a few minutes ago when I said that our laws don't, our, our will doesn't even matter? <laughs> That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for freeing me from myself. God, thank you for the power over sin that you have given your children. God, thank you for your word the power of your word. Here's what we come to. As children of God, we have a responsibility once we know. As children of God, we have a responsibility once we know. you're in this room under the sound of my voice and you say well I'm just I just can't stop you can't under the power of Jesus there's no such thing as an addiction under the power of Jesus there's no such thing as, as going too far 
have a choice to make. I cannot make this decision for you. The person next to you cannot make this decision for you. You have to choose to walk in the freedom that he offers. You have to make the decision that today I'm walking in freedom. And if you're sitting here right now and maybe you're waiting on a feeling, you're waiting on a, on a, oh, I just need to make sure I feel something. Do not be a slave to your feelings either. Go ahead and stand. So we have a choice. Do we continue to live in the trap of preference and what I want, or do we give in to what God wants? That is a decision that only you can make. But I want you to, want you to know that the, the, the moment that you make the decision to follow Jesus, that is the best decision that you are ever going to make. It's not gonna be easy. So hear me, hear me. It, it, it's gonna be one of the hardest things you've ever had to do because you will have to walk away from friends. You will have to walk away from family. There will be people in this room that your own job, you will not be able to stay in. When I truly let God steer my life, when I truly let God take control and I take my preference and put it away, he is going to ask me to do things that are uncomfortable. I don't want to sugarcoat this for you. I don't want to make this something that you just, this is not an easy decision to make. But his ways are better. His thoughts are higher. And if we would just give in to what he wants for our lives, I'm telling you everything in your life, it may, you could be in the middle of the worst time of your life. Middle of a divorce, family and friends looking at you crazy. But you have this supernatural peace because the God of all creation is at the helm steering you where to go. It's a peace that we can't explain. The Bible says that it's a peace that passes all understanding. So I'm gonna pray and then they're gonna sing a song. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open up this front area, not to just come and have a cry session, although that's really good and I do it all the time to really make a decision to really live for Jesus, to really let him be the Lord of your life. So Lord, I just thank you. God, thank you for the power. I thank you for the power that, come, that came with the cross. God, thank you for, for sending your son Jesus to, to die for us. God, that we're you saw us and you loved us enough to, to make that sacrifice. And I pray that as we make these decisions, Lord, you just walk with us. Everywhere we go, Lord, that you walk with us into this, this next possibly scariest part of our life. Jesus, you are worthy of, of so much more. But God, I give you the sacrifice that I can that is my life. We love you, Lord, and in Jesus.